Blog Talk Radio. Hello, hello, hello out there in Blog Talk Radio land. I want to w- welcome you all and say Happy New Year. This is our first show in 2018, a brand spanking new year. So happy, blessed, blessed new year to everybody out there, whether you're tuning in over there at, at Blake Radio where they play that smooth jazz or you, you're getting on through iTunes or you, you're coming in through uh, uh, one of the chat rooms. There's so many ways to get into Blog Talk Radio. Are you coming in, I mean, off the shelf, or are you coming in through Blog Talk Radio, dialing the number? We got people who just come into our show from so many different ways. So I want to welcome you and say Happy New Year to you. It's January the 6th, you guys. Already, already January 6th. So I want to kick it off with a quote, which is something I started doing last year. And today's quote that I want to drop into your thoughts is, and it's by Yoda, do not try. Do or do not. There is no try. We like to get points for trying, like playing horseshoes. Do or do not. There is no try. Do or do not, there is no try. They say when we really want to do something, we will find a way. And if you you want our loyal listeners, been with us for 13, going on 14 years, we want to thank you for being here with us or off the shelf. If this is your first time coming over here, you are listening to the Winning Book Radio Show, Off the Shelf. And we have an awesome author and businesswoman on deck for you today. But before we get to her, I want to ask you, how, how good are you with mystery? You know, mystery, romance, sci-fi, people like to read stories, and find out what's going to happen to a character they feel connected to. It could be somebody they dislike or like a lot. They just want to know. They want to know who done it if they do reading a mystery. Can they pay enough attention before the author reveals something that they can figure it out themselves. That might be why we watch TV shows. So that's the number one thing I want to ask you. Do you love mystery? How good of a mystery sleuth are you? And then the next question I ask or pose to you is, how much do you value love and relationships? And love is something we can't define. We just experience it. And this book, Love for Over Me, you get there's a murder mystery tucked into the story and it reveals itself early on in the story and you have to follow it along to find out who really done it because there are a couple of people who might have done this and then you get to see Raymond Clark who's an academic and an athletic standout on his way to the Olympics you get to see how his childhood with his father, and they have a very complicated relationship, how it impacts his relationship with his soulmate, Brenda, and what happens to them. Can they make it? Can they make it? And is there ever a time when love dies? Can it ever die? If if you value relationships, friendships, love, and mystery, I think you'll really like Love for Over Me. You, there are only seven major characters in the book. You get to follow them and see how they all impact and interact with each other. So you can get it in print or ebook. And if you don't see it on the bookstore shelves or the library, just tell them you want to get a copy of Love Pour Over Me by Denise Turney, and they can order a special copy for you because it's carried by the largest book distributors in the world. And I hope you go out and get a copy of Love Pour Over Me and let me know how you enjoy Love Pour Over Me. 
And now, the moment you've been waiting for. It's our very special off-the-shelf guest this morning. I'm so honored when I, when I do this. I always look back over the 13 years I've been doing this. We've interviewed some really some people who've gone on to do big things on the national and international level, and and one has a very popular regional television show out west. But our special guest for off the shelf this morning is Sassy Scribe, and I love that name. Now, Sassy is an author. She's a radio talk show host and relationship expert. She's the co-host of WPB Network and the creator of She Media Group. She creates her books through Safari Books, and Sassy Scribe has a Bachelor's of Science degree in Business Management. She's got a business mindset, and good for her in the entertainment industry. You need that. And we're so happy to have Sassy Scribe with us on Off the Shelf this morning. Let us welcome her. Welcome to Off the Shelf, Sassy Scribe. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Uh, and and we and know you have a lot of experience on the radio, so really looking forward to what you share. But before we kick <laughs> off, the first couple of questions I'll ask you, I asked all our guests, just to give our listeners mm-hmm. some backstory on our guests. But before we do that, if you have a website, could you give us your website? You are, so our listeners um, can maybe pop over there even while they listen to the show. Um, well, actually, they can find me on Facebook and Instagram. It's Sassy Scribe. Um, they can look up Sassy Scribe um, Media Entertainment, which is on Facebook. <coughs> okay. I don't get as much. Um, and also I have um, a blog called Situations with Sassy, so they can look Situations that up. Situations with Sassy. Mm-hmm. All right, to our off-the-shelf listeners, yesterday I just give you guys a heads up if you hear me coughing. I came down with some hours in bed all night, but so not whining or complaining, but I'm just, if you hear me coughing, I'm trying, I'm going to try real hard not to cough. But that's what it is. So, as I said before, before we kick off into the show's questions and learn more about you and your books and your 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 entertainment based businesses, let's get just get some backstory on Miss Sassy Scribe. So, to begin, <laughs> uh, where did you grow up, and what was life like for you growing up? Well, I grew up in uh, a small town in in Maryland. It was called um, Arnold. We started out in Arnold, Maryland, then we moved to Pasadena. Um, I'm blessed to say both of my parents are still here and still together um, in their late 70s. But life was great. My my father was a truck driver, but he provided an amazing life for us, and I wouldn't change it for the world, to be honest with you. Um, I'm one of five children, and I've always had um, a colorful way of telling stories. I don't want to say I stretch the truth, but sometimes you can stretch just to embellish it a little bit to to, to make it interesting. Mm-hmm. And how I started writing um, was basically on a dare. And it was all of the trials and tribulations that I was going through in my relationships. And my best friend said, why don't you write it down? And I wrote it down and gave it to her. And it was like maybe three chapters, which I didn't even really, I didn't even intend for it to be a book. I just gave it to her. She photocopied it and gave it to everybody in our office. And then they all, what happened, they all just said how much they liked it. And everybody was like, what happened? What's going next? And and so I didn't really start off to be an author. I didn't even know I had it in me until she challenged me. And that's you know, you, I think first you're... 
you are the second or third guest on Off the Shelf. Who's one got? That's how she got published. Her Facebook, a dare, a friend gave her a dare. You can't write no book, and so mm-hmm. she took her up on it and did. And it's funny, you're you're the second or third person who's actually got started that way. So that being said, your friend gives you a dare, you, you start writing, and here we are. But what did you mm-hmm. dream of becoming when you were a child? Oh, when you were a kid, what did you dream of? Oh. An attorney okay. that made a lot of money and charged a lot of billable hours. <laughs> that that was that, is, that was the dream. An entertainment attorney or a divorce attorney. One of the two, whichever made the most money. And so how long did you hold on to that dream and then so the writing comes along and you just kick that dream to the curb? I and then I held on to that dream until about, I don't know, maybe fifteen. And then, you know, I got into fashion, and then I wanted to go to um, the Fashion Institute of Technology in New York. And I kind of cut off my nose to spite my face because I'm exactly like my dad. My dad went to Morgan State, and he partied a lot, a lot. And he said, I'm not going to pay for you to go to New York City and funk out from partying because I know you. So me being the know-it-all child, I decided I'm not going. If I can't go to the school I want to go to, I'm not going at all. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. You, you really that was stupid. A, you, <laughs> that was stupid. Yeah, did you it really, was I was going to say, did you really, really want to be an attorney or you just wanted to make a lot of money? I wanted to, to let it go. That make a lot of, I wanted to make a lot of money because, see, what I've realized is that I really don't like talking in front of a lot of people. And people will find that strange doing what I do. Mm-hmm. But I get physically uh, sick when I have to talk in front of a group of people. Okay. Oh, okay. So that would. <laughs> well, then being an attorney, being a being an attorney wouldn't be the right thing unless you were a researcher working with with an attorney behind the scenes. So, okay, sassy scribe, mm-hmm. how old were you just there? How old were you? How long after you said, okay, if I can't go to the school I want to go to, then I'm gonna let this. Dream of being an attorney, go. How old were you when your friend came with the dare and you oh, knew was, you wanted was, to be a writer? I was in my 30s. I was in my mid-30s. Oh. I was in my mid-30s. The the book I wrote, the first book in 2003, I knew nothing about publishing. I took a publishing boot camp in D.C., and that was for, like, about 12 weeks. And I met – um a couple of really big-name authors here in the area, and they would come in and give us pointers and give us tips. My problem that I had was that I put all of my eggs in one basket. So the person who did the boot camp, I allowed them, and and this is in my um, sincere ignorance um, and not knowing what to do, I trusted them to do everything that I needed for this book. So... It turned out to be a horror story, but long story short, I submitted the book to Romantic <laughs> Times um, magazine. If your readers aren't familiar with that. That's uh, It started out as a newsletter in a bookstore, just like a one-sheet newsletter, front and back, about books, a romance books. And now it's grown into a magazine and a huge movement where they do um, conventions every year with romance novels, graphic novels, um, fantasy, sci-fi, all of that. And they gave me an award for Best African-American Romance for a First-Time Novelist. And that was in – I wrote the book in 2003, 
and re-edited it several times, and then I got the award in 2005. Congratulations. Oh, my Thank goodness. You. Congratulations to you. Thank you. Congratulations to you in your mid-30s. So for our listeners who themselves might be in their 20s, and we go through periods, I think, in our lives when we're not really sure mm-hmm. what to do. We feel like we're kind of stumbling along. What was that period like for you? You knew you didn't want to go to school to be an attorney anymore because you couldn't go to the school you wanted to. You got five or more years before you figure out what you want to do. What advice would you give to somebody, regardless of their age, they might be heading for retirement and they're afraid because they're like, I don't even know what to do next, but I know I have to let go of what I was going after now. What advice would Mm -hmm. you give to that person? I would tell them never to give up. You know, I am... 50. I turned 50 this year. Well, last year, 2017. And I'm still Mm -hmm. pursuing a dream. So you never, ever give up and you never, ever allow anyone to tell you otherwise. Never. And Google should be your best friend. If you don't know, if you don't know, you find out and you research. And I made that one mistake, but you trust and believe I never made that mistake again. I read up on the publishing industry, everything that I needed to do. I went to the conventions. I went to the conferences. I spent money and invested in being an author. Mm. And that's what you have to that's do. That's another thing. You have to invest yeah, you in know yourself. Yes, and that's a good piece of advice. They tell you if you work for a major employer, your career is in your hands. It's not up to your supervisor. It's not up to your manager. Well, they won't promote me. They won't. Then you have to go where you will get promoted. You, it's it's mm-hmm. in your hands. And I think sometimes we don't want it in our hands because we don't want to do all that work and be responsible for ourselves. But it really is in, in, in our hands. And you did the research as a writer. It's not where you just hope that some stardust will just fall on you. It mm-hmm. doesn't. I've not seen it happen. You do have to do the work and the homework and get out there and work before things happen. And I appreciate you sharing that. What did you learn? How did you come about? How did how did this come about? Safari books. You talked about getting started with the Romantic Times. You won a contest there. Uh, your writing came as a dare. But how did you what did how did you learn about Safari books? How did you get started with them? Well, Safari Books is my company, and Safari means journey in Swahili. (laughs) And I felt like I was on a journey. Once I Mm. got into the rhythm, and then what people don't understand with what I learned when I started writing this book, it was an amazing transformation because the characters took on a life of their own, and they wrote the book. It's like I would think it, and it would just come and and I didn't write the way normal people, you know, normal writers, they write everything, they outline. I didn't know anything about that, fleshing out a character, giving them the name, the age, and, and you know, what what's their favorite pie, what's their favorite color, what do they look like. I didn't do any of that. It just all came to me as I was writing the book. I didn't do any of the, the work that you need to do beforehand. I didn't know how. I didn't know it was necessary. I just knew that I wanted okay. these characters to look a certain way, and 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 that's what I wrote. So I felt like I was on this journey, and hence the name Safari Books. So my books are self-published through Safari Books. Okay. And at a networking event is where I ran into one of the reviewers at Romantic Times, and that's how my book got oh, okay. to be reviewed. So you you know it's it's networking, and again it's it's putting yourself out there, and and. Spending money. Every author listening to this show needs to get themselves to Book Expo America every year or at least once. 
It's in New York City. It's in the month of May. Every so tell us why. Tell us why they need to get. Why? Why because do they need to Because they they have pitch they have pitch session sessions where you can get in front of major editors, Simon and Schuster, um, Random House, those types of editors that you can get in touch with. I I rode on the shuttle bus. I was sitting beside the lady who was the editor in chief for W Magazine. Ah, okay. Very nondescript okay. individual you wouldn't know look like a grandma. So you, you have to know and you have to talk. A lot of people that look like us aren't there. There used to be a huge pavilion for African Americans. I think the um I can't remember the name of the company that used to do it, but they don't do it anymore. We don't go. We don't show up. Uh, we have to show up. And it is where I get my books every year. I don't buy books anymore. I go to BEA, and you go, and you get all of these free books, and they have this huge room where you can get all of the books that you purchase, pay to to have them shipped to your home. I can't tell you how many books I have. Signed books. Wow. Now, you know, I've met Tony Morrison, Blair Underwood, Spike Lee, um, the girl Samantha from Sex and the City. Everyone writes a book. Dick Wolf yeah. that did Law and Order. So, I mean, and I'm mm-hmm. getting excited just thinking about it. Every author should go and take your children. I'm taking my nephews this year. They need to see that. Yeah, and so that's that's your, rather than sending out all these query letters, which you could do, you can get in front of uh, publishers, and you can you can do in one day or, or a couple of hours what might take you weeks to do if you did it on your own for Book Expo America. And then one thing I will say for writers. I don't, 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 don't tell them to. I'm sorry, go ahead. <laughs> don't go there thinking you're going to sell a lot of books. I think that's why a lot of African Americans, from what I heard from years past, people are saying you don't sell a lot of books there. You go there to make the connections. Well, you don't sell books at all. You have to go saying to yourself, I'm going to give away three cases of books. Or 10 cases. It's a book giveaway. They have a section where, yeah, not now, don't get it, don't get it twisted. There are people there that are selling their books. But why am I going to buy your book when the other 300 people are giving me free books? Right. Yeah. So that, that's the mindset. You got to go in. And the first time I went, I didn't purchase a, a, a table to do anything. I went as an attendee. Learning the industry, learning the business, what's going on? How do you get in front of people? Why do you need to get in front of people? There are seminars that they have during the day. None of this is free. None of this is cheap. But I think you can, if you are self-publishing or um, whatever capacity that you're in in your writing, it is a business write-off. You can write off the expenses, every last drop of it. And anyone you take, like I took all of my sisters and I made them because you have to be part of the book industry. You can't go as a lover of books. So Safari Books had to have a CEO, a CFO, a marketing director. I just took all of my family members and made them each one of, gave them a title because I wanted everybody to experience it with me. Wow, and so that's a that's a good, and it's it's like one of the largest in this country for African Americans. I would I would say get to the Harlem Book Fair. Not only mm-hmm. can you sell books there, 
but there are a lot of different seminars and workshops where you can inter- interact exactly. and connect with people and start to build those relationships and make those connections. Can you tell us, Sassy Scribe, about some of the titles of your books that you do put out through Sapphire Books, Safari Books? Um, the, the, the first book is called The Party. It's about um, five women whose lives have changed once sex and drugs enter into their lives. And then the sequel to that is The After Party. So you find out what happened. And honestly, I had no intentions of writing a sequel. Everyone told me there needed to be a sequel. By that time, I had moved on from writing into hosting my own radio show. And then from that, I moved into television. Ah, So next up is writing writing a screenplay. Well, I'm, I'm I'm writing a novel now because... Sassy needs a product. So my my next book is aptly named Situations with Sassy. I haven't thought of a byline for it yet, but um, it's just essays and, and, and thoughts and comments on dating and relationships, particularly online dating and the dating realm for women over the age of 40. Oh, interesting. One of those, uh, I'm trying to think of the name of that book that really took off. The Gray, uh, you know, you know the name of that book. Fifty Shades of Gray. Yes. Yeah. Or 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 uh, Terry McMillan's. I still got a groove back. So yeah, kind of like that. Well, it's uh, more of a name. it's more of a self. It's, it's more of um, essays than opposed to like an actual um, erotic novel. Now the party has a lot of uh, sex and eroticism in it. Um, and, and the after party ties all of that up. But I'm also working on three more manuscripts. Um, one is dealing with a, a married couple and their trials and tribulations. And I'm a plus-size woman, so, of course, being a plus-size woman is going to play into that. Um, I already hate my, my main character. I hate his attitude. I hate his Oh, his my arrogance. goodness. <laughs> I hate them. You know what? That that can be that can be a good thing though, because readers might that can really cause readers. The to readers, everyone to the that story. I've every, everyone that I have let read it so far hate him. So now uh, I want him to be redeemed. So I'm working on redeeming him. So I got to work that out in my mind before I can before I can finish it. And then the other one's dealing now, with the church. My mother just told me don't get her put out the church for it. I'm gonna try my best not uh-oh. to. <laughs> But be careful. So, so um, what a series book. People will tell you now, and you see a lot of authors dropping series books because mm-hmm. readers want to find out what's what's going to happen in these characters' lives next. What are the what are the if you could just share like two pluses of writing a series book for people who want to get started as a novelist or who already have but they haven't tried a series. What are two pluses to creating a series book, and what are two disadvantages to creating a series book? Well, the, well the, the, the pluses to me would be, one, um, it would be easier to, to write. And, two, you already have that fan base. So you don't yes. have to yep. constantly market. You already have that fan base because they know that book three or book four, you know, let's take James Patterson, for instance, and his Women's Murder Club is up, up to, like, 22 or 23, or the, the other book with um, – Oh God! Um, but the, the the one that Morgan Freeman plays the character in, 
um, Along Came a Spider. He has that one main character that is throughout all of his books. So you don't have to, you don't have to market to people like me who read those books because I can't right. wait till the next book comes out. And that's the a, disadvantages that's a would be, yeah. it is, but the, the the disadvantages would be sometimes you can get tired of writing that same character, which is why James oh. Patterson always has a co-author. If you notice his books, oh. they are co-authored to, to give a different take and a different spin on it. So that could be one of the disadvantages. I think that would be the main disadvantage. Is that yeah, you just you get, you get tired, you get bored of of writing the same character. You know how how many more directions can you take this person, and how many times can they get into the last millisecond and their life is saved, or somebody comes to rescue them? How many times before that time runs out? Yeah, I've heard writers say that with series. They will say, you know, the the, the readers may want another one, but they're like, I'm done with the story. This this this. There's nothing else for this character. It's 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 done. It's over, and I just have to start something new. And then that can be a little challenging for an author because you wonder, like J.K. Rowling, like her Harry Potter. Will the next book will readers receive it the way they did this other series book that you you did? But you know you know when it's done. I think an author knows when it's done. What's it like, mm-hmm. uh, sassy scribe, writing and marketing books with a small press? That's one of the good ways or I want to say one of the more opener, easier ways, not that it is totally easy to get started as a as an author. If you don't self-publish, you could go through a midstream or a small press and have your book picked up. You just sold through a literary agent who specializes in the types of books you write or directly to the publisher, or you could self-publish. But I wanted to ask you, either way, when you're talking small press, not Random House, not the ping one, mm-hmm. I think, which is under Random House, but what's it like writing and marketing books with a small press, and would you recommend that for a new writer? Well, in, unless you have an amazing an amazing story that they're going to immediately pick up, you more than likely will go small press. I mean, you look how many times did J.K. Rollins get rejected before they picked her up. The same way with Zane. Zane was writing erotica long before E.L. James. But black women knew about Zane. Caucasian women didn't. And that's why E.L. James blew up, because it was like this new phenomenon. For me, I felt that going the self-publishing route was going to be the easiest thing to do, because I already had a marketing plan in place. I had business cards. I had postcards. I had flyers. I had bookmarks made up to go with the books. I had bags created to go with the books. I had pens made up. I had body massagers um, purchased wow. with um, the name of the, the book. So, But in order to get a body massager, you had to buy a book. Now, granted, the body massager was only 5 bucks. The book was 10 But you had to buy the body massager if you, uh, if you wanted. You had to buy a book if you wanted the body massager. And you have to have a pe- you have to have people investing in you as well. I had a what I like to call my little street team, which were my sisters and my cousins. I had T-shirts made up with the name of, with with the cover of the book on the front, 
with the, the company name on the back, and we would go to the book fair, fairs in the area, and they would just take a stack of flyers and just go and say, you know, check out Sandra E. Harris. She has a party. The booth is down there, booth number 12 or whatever it is, to get them to come over to my, um, to my spot. The goal is always to make my money back for whatever I spent at that for that ten by ten space. Yeah, and that and that space isn't cheap. We're talking two fifty is cheap now. You're looking at five hundred or something to go to. Well, a, a tip I would leave with any author is do your research on the event. Make sure you're getting ten thousand or more people coming through, and exactly. you're gonna have to work that crowd. Work it, work it, work it. Like you said, you have people. Coming out with you, and if you, uh, this is a tip I would leave with an author: if you can get your booth near a food a food stand, you can really rack up because that happened to me mm-hmm. at an event. Uh, if you can get close to a food stand, you can real you can really rack up. So, so, so um, Sassy Scribe, before we go mm-hmm. on into more of your your book publishing business, do you have plans to publish books by other authors? And if so, uh, what types of books? Are you open to publish? I know you said you're looking at a screenplay. You're working on another novel because you need a product. But are mm-hmm. there any plans out there to take on another author? I hadn't thought of it, but the the person that I'm working with now is a the, the screenwriter that I'm working with. I'm thinking about it in that realm. So, no, I haven't really thought about it because I haven't really – my focus now is my radio and television show. So I haven't you really, really thought about it. <laughs> I really am you really are on, on a, a journey, journey because I really enjoy. I enjoy. It's my occupation, you know. It's, it's it's radio and TV, and and I love it. I love talking to people. I love getting people to to try to get them on the same page and an understanding. So that's that's not something that you you haven't thought of, but it's not a door that's completely closed. Now it's not I, completely I want to shut. Ask you this. No. You've gone into now screenplay writing. You've done radio. You've done television. Going back even to when you wanted to be an attorney, you didn't get to go to the school you wanted, so you said, okay, I'm not going to do that. You're on this journey, safari means journey. And so I I wanted to ask you, how did starting your own book publishing business, safari books, how did that prepare you for radio? How did you go from on a dare, a friend dares you, you can't write a novel, you do, you end up winning a war with Romantic Times. Uh, you just was now just writing your books, marketing your books, your family and friends going out with T-shirts and flyers and passing them out at book events. How did you go from that? How, how did it prepare you, I should say, for radio? The two don't seem so well. They don't seem connected when you think about it in the mind, that go from book publishing to your own radio show. How did that work in Safari Books prepare you for radio? Well, I actually, it was a breakup. It was a bad breakup oh. that I had right as I finished writing the book in 2003. And I wanted to start dating again. So I joined um, a dating site. So I listened, wait, I, yeah, I, do, I joined a dating site. You needed to have, um, you needed a screen name. So I said, I like to crack uh-huh. slick with people, and I write. So Sassy Scribe. And that's how she was born. And from that, and and just 
using common sense and giving common sense advice within this group, I started doing fireside chats where they would hire me to come to the different events that they would have, and I would talk. Now, mind you, I don't like speaking in front of a lot of people. But I did it. Okay. And then I moved from that and straight into radio. And I started out on Blog Talk Radio. And then from Blog Talk Radio, I moved to a network in Baltimore. And from that, I'm on a network now in New York City, which is also on iHeartRadio. Let's go, let's go back. Let's go back. <laughs> you went from book publishing. How did you get started? With, you, you, you join a dating site. You break up, hard break up. You go to a dating site. How, again, did you get on radio from that? I just said, let me try it. I ran across Blog Talk Radio. I'm like, what's the worst that could happen? Wow. I'm being honest with and you. Then it I didn't, and, and then I didn't see a lot of people that looked like me talking about relationships who had no formal, I have no formal education in, in, in relationships. I just have common sense. But I realized in dating that common sense wasn't very common. And it really, really ticked me off. I got really mad, and I wanted to know what were women doing? What were women thinking? What are men thinking? Who's raising these people? Oh, my goodness, who's raising these people? <laughs> I, I I commend you. And Safari, that is whatever part of you came up with that title, that's, it's so accurate because you're not somebody who's just doing well in the same space. You really are mm-hmm. on a journey. Can you tell us about She Media Group? I mean, we've gone from wanting to be a lawyer to writing a, a book on a dare to winning an award at Romantic Times to starting your own radio show after a breakup to now <laughs> it's, it's in Boston and New York, and you started Safari Books. And now we're the She Media Group. So can you tell us about She Media Group and what are some of the services that the group offers? Well, She Media Group is the parent company that that um, Safari Book sits under, and it, my parent company. So I have She Media Group for the radio and the entertainment industries as well as the publishing industry. So it's just it's housing my quote-unquote media empire, basically, um, and the services that she provides are consulting services for publishing as well as consulting services for um, radio and television hosting. Okay. Can you that's give pretty, so, that, so – So somebody wants to start their own radio show or they want to get into book publishing, you would say, okay, you need to get your ISBN, you need to mm-hmm. get your copyright – Okay, so 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 those those consulting services. Uh, uh, yes. What? Those are those are the services. The same way with 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 the internet radio. And what people don't understand, and you understand it, hosting a radio show, if you have a full time job, it's like having two full time jobs. The time and effort to to put into your radio show, to make sure that you get quality guests. To, to make sure that, that to have a conversation with the guests prior to your show. I mean, it's a lot that goes into it. And I, I tell this story 
that I remember when I was on Blog Talk Radio and I had a friend, one of my girlfriends. She was like, oh, I want to do it. I want to help you with it. Because some weeks, you know, I had a full-time job. And I had to skip doing a show because of work obligations. And, I mean, I need to keep my roof, you know, over my head. I got you. And Mm -hmm. she wanted to help me. And I told her, I said, you can help me. And everything was doing well. And she was like, well, let's do a show on XYZ. I said, okay, this is what you need to do. You need to find the guest. You need to research the topic. Because one of the key things about being a radio host is you have to know a little bit more than your audience. Because you have to give them information. That's why they listen to us. Right. Mm-hmm. And this one particular time, she dropped the ball. And and that was it. And, I mean, I still love her to death. I tease her about it now. But I told her, I said, I told you, you, this is going to have to take precedence over everything else you do that day, including your children. Because at 9 o'clock, we go live on air. Right. Mm-hmm. And I you called in, and she and she didn't show up. She didn't show up for 15 minutes. Ooh. And yeah, she had good. no guests. You know, and she mm. didn't really research the topic. But luckily, because my name and it's my brand, I found a second guest and I researched the topic. But had I wow. not called yeah, in, I people would have been listening wow. to Dead Air for 15 minutes before she came on. Yeah. Oh my God. I know you must have. So had you, a fit. you, you, you know, I was having 10 fits. I was having 10 fits. But the show must go on. So you have to have all of that information. You have to you have to table that that energy until afterwards, because the show must go on. You know, and you hear that so often. And I, after thirteen years, going on fourteen, that mm-hmm. I say that you don't know what it could happen. I guess one guest had to call into the show from the side of the interstate. She had a flat tire on her way somewhere. You don't know what's going to happen. So you have to, you do, you need to be able to fill in those gaps that come up suddenly. So you now, your radio, umbrella under She Media Group, you, you, you're you in New York and Boston and you, you're online. Can you share mm-hmm. some of the topics? So some, somebody listening right now to Off the Shelf, this might be, they might walk away with a huge blessing, something that could change their life as we head into a, further into a brand new year. Can you share some of the topics that you that you share or advise coach listeners? What are some of the topics that women really care about that you found in your work discussing relationships? But women are too well, afraid to ask. So they they're moving around in the dark somewhere. Well, one of the things women are afraid to ask is they, they're afraid to actually be honest and tell men what it is they want up front. So, mm. and that is, that is out of our fear of being alone. And, I, I mean, everything that I talk about as Sassy Scribe, Sandra has gone through. Cheating, um, the, um, verbal abuse, there's, something has always happened that is a catalyst for making me want to talk about it, find a subject matter expert. What I, make, what, what I find now is that women are in a second phase in their life. They are over 40. Some of them have been married for years and finding themselves recently divorced, or, or as a lot of the women are saying, traded out for a younger model. Wow. 
So mm-hmm. I talk about things. I talk about finances because the, the net worth for African American women is five hundred dollars. Ooh. Yeah, that's really? the same thing I said when I when I found that out. The oh net God. worth for black women, and these are black women. We are the 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 head of households. We are the sole breadwinners, and in most cases, whereas for Caucasian women, it's like twelve thousand, something like that. Wow, that's pretty. And boring. and these are the things you know. I do shows on you know, the, the, the title "Girl, Get Your Money Right," you know, and I I might do that show five or six times a year with different subject matter experts. I do shows on health. You know, I, I talked to a, a, a Dr. Narte. He's a doctor of symptometry where he talks about how your genetics um, can affect the, the foods that you eat is genetically bound. So, he, like he said, he can't eat tomatoes because it does something genetically to him. Yeah. There, there's, some I mean, people like it's, one – some people don't process a protein. They can't eat meat. And some people, they don't, and they might not know it, so they eat a lot of meat and they get real sick. Some people, we mm-hmm. eat peanut butter, we know that it might be a healthy food, mm-hmm. but the person themselves, yeah, they might not be. And if they do, it'll really, really mess them up. They might not well, you, be you, able. You look at uh, this, 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 this new realm of eating clean. So, I mean, I find people that that are subject matter experts, and the best way to find them is I find everybody on social media, and I do a lot of networking events. So the the topics recently, I'm going to tell you what got me shut down on iHeartRadio. I was talking about sexuality in the black church. And what was it? What the, it was called sexuality in the black church. And the Bible Belt, yeah. this is how I know I'm on the right track yeah, because nah. I really ticked a lot of people off. But iHeartRadio contacted the network that I'm on in New York, and they shut me down. Ooh. Yeah. But it was only for four hours. It was only for four hours. But I got almost two million people to listen to that one show. Yeah, but I guess they said, nah, <laughs> she's, she's, she's freaking a nerve here. So maybe they got a lot well, of... Well, I'm going to pluck another nerve because I'm doing a sequel to that. I'm doing a part two to that in a couple of weeks. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And so, you know, and, I, and and although it's internet radio, I still have a a brand. So there's certain you know topics I do talk about love and sex and dating, but I talk about it in a clean sense. Now I also has situations with sassy after dark where it's rough, rugged, and raw, but those shows are ninety nine cents a piece. Okay, okay. Can you tell us? When we're talking about women in relationships, and I'm still shocked at the net value of a black <laughs> American woman is 500, which is just astounding. And then they all they all, I've always heard when a woman gets divorced, you hear about you know people say women are gold diggers and they come away with all this money when they get divorced. That's for some very very women who are married to very very wealthy men, but mm-hmm. that is not the norm. Most women when they get divorced are broke. And I mean struggling yep. immensely. So I would I would put out there to any woman listening off the shelf right now, if you don't have a job, keep your skills up. At least go for a job interview at least two to mm-hmm. three times a year so you don't be scared to do that. Keep your resume polished up. And maybe do mm-hmm. some internships or part-time work 
don't totally rely on another human being for all your needs because you'd be in bad shape if the person passed away. It could be an auto accident, or and you'd be in bad shape. So you want to you want to look out for yourself. That's a bit of, of advice I would give to any any woman. When you are that's excellent with, advice. <laughs> when you're dealing with your radio, oh thank you. When you're doing your radio show, and this, I mm-hmm. saw something and rolling out the other day on I think it was Beyonce when Jay Z came out and said he had had affairs. You think Beyonce, one of the most desirable women on the planet, got cheated on? It's 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 sobering for some women. It's like so I can't be pretty enough not to make him want to cheat. I can't be talented enough. That's sobering. For, for a lot of women And so the question was posed Do you just If he don't cheat that much And he's making money Do you just turn the other way And put up with it And stay Or what do you, what do, you do So what what are the top three beliefs Or illusions It almost Some women might think it, There's no hope To hope That some guy Is going to be in a relationship With you And only you And it's going to be good What are the top three beliefs Or illusions from your work That keep women from entering Healthy not where they got to turn and look the other way and say, oh, he's just out with his friends when you know he's not. From entering healthy, rewarding relationships long-term, what's standing in our way of that? One, the belief that you deserve it. We deserve healthy and rewarding in relationships. We deserve it. But we accept the love that we think we deserve. And I've done that. I recently got out of a, a seven-year relationship. I've done that because I thought that they were giving me what I thought I wanted. Mm. And it was all dealing with the monetary. Oh, okay. Yeah. And I've heard women say that. Just uh, Somebody told me that years ago. You might think, oh, I'm going to go after a guy who's got money. And somebody told me her friend actually married a guy who was very wealthy. This is going back years, millionaire status. And she said, the woman said, I have never felt so alone in my life. Mm-hmm. See, the, so the, the trade-off is when, when you look at people and you say people like Beyonce and Halle Berry and you see these beautiful women getting cheated on, uh, Mary J. Blige, you cannot stop an adult from doing anything that they don't want to do. They need time and opportunity. And you don't want to be watching and, and, and a, a person 24-7. So you have to have a level of trust. And these men all broke that trust with these women. We deserve, Beyonce deserves the same happiness that we do. She's choosing to move through it. And she has to move through that. And deal with not just her family telling her, girl, you stupid, you dumb, you don't need him, you got your own money. You know she's got somebody in her ear like that. But then she has all of us, the hundred billions of people, (laughs) giving their opinion on social media about what she should or shouldn't do. And until we are in that situation, we don't know what we would do. Mm -hmm. We don't know. We don't all leave immediately. I know I didn't. And yeah, when I left, it wasn't true. even it wasn't even because of cheating. It was something totally different. But so the first thing is that we need to 
to to believe that we deserve a loving and rewarding relationship. The second thing is we can't be afraid to be vulnerable. And men and women okay. are both struggling with that right now. I find that. And, and I do roundtable discussions where I invite people into my studio and I do mm-hmm. uh, a single men's roundtable. I do married men's roundtable. And, and then I do the two of them together to see what they, you know, to, to, for them to hash it out and tell us what's right and what's wrong. And the married people still have their struggles, but they love each, no- each other enough that they're willing to work through it. And the best relationships that I see, the couples are truly best friends. They truly like each other, uh. they get each other, and they click. And you see it. My cousin and her and her husband, they click. I love seeing them together. Oh. <laughs> you know, I, I just yeah, I love seeing it together. Where I have other relatives, you can see the disconnect when they walk through the door. Mm. Yeah. And I think being vulnerable and being honest, you can know in any relationship, whether it's a, with a colleague, and not a romantic relationship, but any relationship you know, when it's it's smooth, it's easy. Not that we don't have to go through rough patches, but you can also tell when a relationship, you're like, eh, that ain't, eh, they don't belong together. It's not, that might not ever work. And sometimes you can go th- work your way through it, like you said, but sometimes you can tell when it's just not a good pairing, and you have to accept it. So you don't put in 30 years and say, I'm out. And then, and then somebody interview you like a sassy scribe, and you tell her, I knew 25 years ago it wasn't gonna work, and you, and you, mm-hmm. but you stay for whatever reason. Well, mm-hmm. you know, one of the last things I'm gonna I'm gonna say to that, when it comes to to the whole money factor, is that the money is seductive. If you've never had money and now you have access to everything you ever wanted, it's hard to let that go. Which is why it is known as quote unquote. I'm putting up air quotes. That it's accepted in the entertainment and in, 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 um, entertainment field, and that's in, I'm going to include athletic, athletes, um, actors, actresses, musicians, even the producers. It's all well known that this is an acceptable form of of action within your relationships to accept the infidelity, because it's a seductive wow. lifestyle. I dated a musician for four years, and. I saw how women reacted to him, not the people that were in front of the microphone, behind the microphone. They were looking at the man sitting in the corner that everyone was deferring to. That's what the women were looking at, not the men in front of the camera. They're looking at the people behind the camera because those are the people with money and those are the ones pulling the strings. And I could see him puff Mm. up over that. He liked that attention. Mm. So it's a seductive lifestyle yes. But you know what I told him You can make your money a mattress in your coffin And take it with you If you think that's going to keep me with you Yeah Wow But you, you, you had to learn that firsthand for yourself mm-hmm. And so many people So many people I think it has to do with what what you said. You have to convince you really believe you deserve love. Mm-hmm. You had a lady on here, her pastor husband, almost, well, he choked her into unconsciousness, domestic violence, and she said it what? didn't stop until she woke up after years of it, 
and and asked herself, why do you think you deserve to be abused? That's when she started coming out of it. And uh, you just, why do I think I deserve to be cheated on? Why do I mm-hmm. think money is a good swap out for being mistreated? Why do I think that? That's that's. But you heard is, women uh, say that though. Women will tell you, and I remember doing just a straw poll at one of my discussions, and I asked women, "Do you think a man that makes good money is a good man?" And every hand went up because they equate really? money with them being yes. They think what makes a man a good man? A man that can take care of me? No, no. A man who has who is empathetic, who is you know has a good sense of integrity. Those are the type of men you need to be with, regardless of what he looks like on the outside. What is he like on the inside? But they all said a man who made money. Mm. And I said, and this is why we all have this disconnect in in our relationships. I would rather him not buy me a thing and love me than to buy me everything and cheat on me. Yes. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, you know, and I hope your message continues to get out there, Sassy Scribe, because not only are women suffering in the $500 net value network, Mm -hmm. it's astronomically, that's something I'm never going to forget that you said that. It's just just (laughs) shocking. Uh, uh, It really is shocking. It really is shocking. And so um, the advice that you share, hopefully people will listen to it. After all these years, women still, we still aren't waking up to this stuff. No, we're not. We still aren't waking up. We still aren't waking up to this. How can we? We've got seven minutes left. Back to radio and books, connecting those two. How can writers? How can writers use radio, sassy scribe, to market their books? Well, they can reach out to me, um, and I have okay. um, advertising and sponsoring spots on my um, radio station and on my show page. And you know, we're averaging eight hundred thousand people weekly over 3 million people a month coming through the, the radio show. And, again, it's on iHeartRadio. So iHeartRadio has 100 million paid subscribers. So you think about the scope of, and range that you can get to um, for $200 a month or $100 a month. I'm willing to work with individuals that want to get their information out there. All they got to do is give me the, the, the copy. But they need to look into different avenues. Again, authors, if you're not willing to invest in yourself, why should other people invest in you? You have to yeah. be willing to invest in yourself. And, and, and one of the ways that everyone monetizes their radio show is through advertising. You can do a 10-second spot, 15-second spot, 30-second spot. If terrestrial radio is eventually going to go away. And it's all going to be satellite and internet radio. Mm. Yeah, because they say so. it's getting it's getting too expensive, the fees and things. Can you tell? So you said somebody could come up, approach you. That's one way they can writers can mm-hmm. use radio to market their books. So can you tell us about key ways to approach uh, your your she media group about being on one of your radio shows or? another radio station to land interviews or ask spots to discuss their books. And I know it's different. The path through an ad is you just have to, you got to get the ad specs, how they want the ad prepared, 
and then the mm-hmm. pricing meet that. So that's one path. And then, but you can also get on the radio and, and promote your books through getting interviews to discuss your books. Right. Can you tell us about some of the key ways uh, writers can approach radio stations to land interviews? Uh, ad spots is pretty clear, but to get those inter- interviews on the radio. Well, um, to get the interviews on the radio, if you're doing terrestrial radio, you want to reach out to the program manager and the station managers or the um, producers of that particular radio show. Um, if you're doing online radio, you want to research the the different shows. They have shows out here specific to books. They have shows out here specifically for women, African Americans, Latinos, um, science fiction, romance, young adult. So you want to research and know your audience before you reach out. And before you reach out, listen to the interview style of the interviewer. That's you, you, you need, That's again, Google should be every, excuse me, Google should be everybody's best friend. And if you want more information um, for your listeners, I'm list, um, giving a, a free consultation for radio or publishing. They get 30 minutes. And that'll be until the end of this month. And all they have to do is email She Media Group and put in off the shelf as the subject matter. Okay, okay, listeners. So if you're getting some free consultation from Sassy Scott, thirty minutes, got radio, television, <laughs> thirty minutes, and book publishing experience. Mm-hmm. As we wrap up, can you tell us? You said you were working on a new book because you needed a product. Uh, are, so can you tell us? Just give us a glimpse. The title, if you have the final title, or it might be a working title, a glimpse into the new book that you're working on, and when we can expect to see it on the shelf. Well, I'm looking, I'm pushing forward for this summer, um, and the book is entitled Situations with Sassy. Like I said, I'm still working on the um, the the tagline, the subtitle, but um, it's basically it's a book about dating and online dating and dating over the age of 40. So it's going to be a series of essays. I'm going to talk to some experts. But it is all about the situations we as women put ourselves in. Bottom line, I want women to understand that being single is not a dirty word. My goal is to get women to understand and be accountable for our actions. That is my purpose as Sassy Scribe. It's what I write about. It's what I talk about on my radio and as the co-host on Women Talk Live TV show, that is what I do. Okay. And you know what? Your work is so invaluable. Hopefully the work you do will see that 500 go well over 10,000 uh, very, very soon. Where can off-the-shelf listeners get a copy of your books, and where can we tune in to you on the radio, Sassy Scribe? Um, you can get my books at Amazon.com. You can... Um, they're not in ebook form, I'm sorry, but they are in book form. And it is Sandra, S A U N D R A, middle initial E, last name Harris, if you put it up there. And the books are entitled The Party and The After Party. And they can listen to me every Monday at noon on Verke Radio. That's www.v as in Victor, E R Y, E R C A Y. Radio.com. Okay. Every okay, Monday. So and I'm in my and fifth I, I season. I used, to be, I used to be on Bashani Radio, and then that network created a radio strictly for women. So I'm really excited to, to move oh. from the Bashani Radio platform 
over to Verte Radio. I'm really excited for that. So, awesome. And then the last, where can we find you on social media? What's your What's your hook or your na- your name on some of the social media sites you're on? You, Snapchat, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Reddit, Blogger. It's all Sassy Scribe. If you want to find my blogs, go to Situations with Sassy dot blogspot dot com um and then on social media um facebook would be sandra e harris or situations with sassy so i'm okay everywhere. We are, if you google sassy scribe you'll find me <laughs> sassy scribe we have been blessed to have sassy scribe here with us this morning you guys so we, we we're very grateful to have her here with off the shelf book talk radio as our first guest of the brand-new year, 2018, and Sassy is an author. She's a radio talk show host and relationship expert. She co-hosts WPB Network, and she's the creator of She Media Group. Her books are launched through Safari Books, and her, her bachelor's degree is in business management. And what a treat she was today. Don't worry if you came in late or midstream through the interview after it finishes Streaming, you can always go back and listen to the archive from the beginning and listen to some of the tips that she shared as it regards relationships or how you can connect, use radio and some other vehicles to market your books. She went into um, Book Expo America, some things you can go back and, and just take a pen and a piece of paper and take some notes and then be prepared to take action because, as we said at the very start of the show, do or do not, there is no try from Yoda. And you can take some of the advice that Sassy Scribe shared and do or do not, there is no try, and you can decide what you're going to take action on and do it and measure the results. So I want to thank everybody for being here with us. Thanks, Sassy Scribe, for being here with us today. Go out and create a fabulous day for yourself. Remember, you are amazing. You are incredible. You're marvelous. You're going to have to really, really get conviction around that and believe that because it's going to it's going to determine how you treat yourself and how you let other people treat you. I'll see you back here next Saturday at 11 a.m. and we'll bring you another phenomenal guest. Thanks, Sassy Scribe. Go support her on social media. Just Google her, Sassy, S-A-S-S-Y, Scribe, and she will come up and catch her on the radio. Sassy Scribe, I'll shoot you an email. Bye for now. Thank you. <laughs>